The Spin-Off Podcast Network. At Zed, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. My guest today is Alec Keeft, who, I'm, I'm, look, I'm guessing you haven't heard of him, um, but this dude might have made like the biggest cultural export from New Zealand, or one of them certainly, in the last like five years. Uh, he's a developer for a platform called Roblox, which again, you might be only like grazingly familiar with that existence, but... Roblox is probably the single most powerful cultural force for kids now. I don't think that's hyperbole. It's just, it, it has become a massive uh, part of where sort of pre-teens, like he, he described the core of it as, as sort of 8 to 12-year-olds, where they play, interact, uh, and and kind of live in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I happen to have... I got, a 10 and a 14 year old daughter. So one who's kind of aged out of Roblox about one who's dead center of the demo. So I've got a familiarity with the the culture of it. And anyone who's listening who has kids that age probably already knows what it is, uh, which he explains better than I can. But fun, the, the analogy he uses is that it's, it's like a, it's like YouTube for gaming. And basically it's a platform where you can build and develop games. There are hundreds of thousands of them and more being made all the time and an algorithm serves them to you you can play them and a lot of the time like certainly with my kids they'll be playing the game uh while having discord running in the side to to do sort of audio and um and text-based chatting uh both amongst school friends and and amongst uh you know strangers all over the world and to, to some people, this sounds probably kind of dystopian, but we try and look at it as, as parents. And certainly, I think that the appropriate way to view it is as an extension or a virtual version of what we would previously have done, you know, in backyards and on streets as kids. This is just where it's happening now. And you kind of can't fight the irresistible nature of it. Alec was one of those kids. Like 2009, he starts playing uh, on Roblox and it just kind of gets him and a few years later he you know starts kind of you know messing around with with developing his own games a few years after that he makes a game called break in which is just one of become 
an absolute phenomenon on there. You know, he's repeats some statistics that describe its scale, and they're so big as to seem almost unimaginable, but they sort of express just how wildly popular this thing is. And, you know, what what I wanted, I, I, I should say, um, this I, I got this the, the tip to speak to him um, through Hal Crawford, the former head of News Hub, who's, who's sort of came across Alex somehow and has basically always been on at me, just like, this dude knows about something that's really important that, that you and your listeners just don't. And this basically is a, what I, you should consider this this episode a, passport to the world of Roblox, this thing that's absolutely enormous and yet most of us don't are barely aware of and, and don't even see, but it is it's a kind of a, it feels like a window into where humanity is going. I really don't think that's overstating it. Certainly, and we discussed this, it's the best expression of what what people are trying to make happen with the metaverse that's currently functioning. And yeah, it's there's just so much insight in it. Like Alec works full time on this thing and it's very healthy living through this sort of revenue share. And we talk a lot about the, the business side of it too. But, you know, if you're working in media or, or, or in communications, you know, that, that's the audience this part. So I assume that's that's most of you. There are whole spheres of, of what we can consider media that we barely think about or talk about that are actually bigger, you know, than things that are abiding obsessions that we, we, that we that are sort of pre, very present in mind you know Roblox might be as as big as the music industry in some respects like it it's it's just enormous in terms of its scale and reach and the engagement it's, and particularly for children like I know that for example with with our TV networks and with New Zealand on air we spend a lot of time oh how, how do we reach Tamariki like this is a big abiding obsession and where, where have they gone they're on roblox so they're on youtube they're on tiktok and, and so on obviously but the the creative possibilities and the sense of play it, you know it's and and you know he talks a lot about you know, that everything has to be fine in roblox because of who its audience is and it it's it's a, a really kind of sweet vision of it that that he sells so Honestly, this is this one has been one of my favorite episodes in a long time. Uh, there's just a lot in it about you know about Roblox and about where sort of entertainment, I suppose, in a broad sense, where media is going in, in some respects. So uh, this is Alec Keeft, Roblox developer on the fold. Kara, Alec, welcome to the fold. Thank you very much. Um, I was wondering if you could start by telling me a bit about yourself, like where you, where you grew up and how you got into making games in the first place. Yeah, um, so I grew up Carpety Coast, so that's just north of Wellington. Um, I got into the the game industry uh, by first of all playing Roblox. So do do I need to explain Roblox? Or? Yeah, well, I've got I've got a whole question dedicated to that because I reckon you should assume almost zero baseline knowledge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Roblox is a it's a platform for children's video games, although they're aging up currently, so I guess just video games in general, but primarily the audience is going to be kids in between the ages of maybe like 8 and 12 uh, primarily. Um, and so you can think of it sort of like how YouTube is a platform for videos, Roblox is a platform for uh, children's video games. Uh, so you have a whole lot of different creators working on it, and they're, they're all sort of making their own mini projects and, and anyone can jump on and just publish a game. Like 
Um, there's no like green lighting like some of the more sort of professional platforms do. You can you can just hop on and, and a you know a 14 year old can create something and that could explode in popularity and and make them very wealthy or or very popular. Um, so when I first started though, uh, I played Roblox back in uh, would have been year eight. Um, so back in primary school is when I started. Um, and back then Roblox was not not big at all. Like it was a tiny platform. When roughly would have this have been like? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, that would have been 2009, I think, is when I started. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Roblox was this unheard of platform. Uh, my my math exchange teacher thought it was a math game. It wasn't a math game. So that's how I found it. Actually, is because she had us all play it, and we just got hooked on it and spent lunch times playing it. Uh, and it was 2014 is when I first started sort of trying to make little games. Um, and it, there was no, uh, I think at the time they they had just introduced earning real money for if your game got popular and people were buying things in it. So I was a, I played for many years just sort of at school with my friends. Everything's multiplayer. Roblox is a, is a primarily multiplayer platform, so you're playing with other people, um, including strangers, mostly strangers. Yeah, and I, I just tried to make a game based on one that I had enjoyed playing, and um, it got really successful. It got to the number one game, which at the time wasn't an impressive feat at all because there was just trash on the platform, really. So anything even remotely interesting would just shoot up to the number one spot. Um, and then, yeah, it became sort of a passion of mine uh, throughout college. I, I would do it as a hobby. I would earn enough money. I, I'd earn, you know as much as someone with just a regular supermarket job would earn. So, but I absolutely loved what I was doing. Um, and there was potential to earn more even back then. But then uh, over the sort of just pr a bit before COVID and then during COVID, the platform exploded in popularity uh, and sort of became what it is today, which is this humongous um, gaming platform with engagement that rivals, you know, TikTok and, you know, like Twitter and YouTube and everything. But yeah, 2014 is when I started, still doing it. Now it's, you can, you know, there are companies with, you know, 50, 100 employees uh, making Roblox games back, obviously, when I started, that would never have been the case. So, so when you started, did you have an inkling that this might develop into, like, it's a full, more than a full-time job for you now, right? And, and it, yeah. you know, if you want, you could do this forever, so yeah. it feels. Yeah. Did you... Were you, did you was it a hobby or did you sort of have a sort of in the back of your mind well if this goes really well it, it could become what it has has eventually uh, become for you yeah I'd say it was definitely a hobby because uh, sort of like back when I started only the top top guys who who were just very driven and and worked year round they were earning like barely well they were earning you know good salaries um so it didn't really seem like a feasible career path. And then even when I finished university and I had had a few hit games under my belt and I'd earned like substantial money, I I still was planning to go. I, I um, studied computer science and statistics at Vic. And so I planned after that to try to get a sort of an entry-level programming job. That was always the plan. But then I thought I'd just give Roblox one more crack and that's when I made my biggest game. So that allowed me to sort of continue doing it. So uh, yeah, I guess the answer is... I I never planned on it being a full time thing. So tell me, t tell me about so your life changes with break in as the game we're talking yeah. about, right? Tell me about the 
the sort of financial model. I want I want to talk about breaking and about the the gains and so on, but I think it's worth sort of for a lot of people it's like how, how do you make money in this sort of abstracted space, especially with kids aren't notorious for having heaps of money. Yes. So their parents tend to have some and, and less if their kids are yeah. Roblox fans. Um, yeah, so explain like the the rev share, how and how within your games money is spent and therefore income is generated for you. Yeah. So it's similar to a mobile game, uh, like a free-to-play mobile game that has microtransactions in it. Uh, so that's the model, basically. Everything, well, yeah, like 99% of Roblox games are free-to-play. And then inside the game, there'll be things you can purchase with a, a premium currency called Robux. And Robux, um, you may have heard of, it's you spend real money, you get it on your account. Uh, kids can use that to buy virtual accessories just on the platform or they can spend it within their favorite game. And that's the things they buy in those games are isolated to that game. So my game is a, a story-based game where you play a certain roles. And I have a couple of roles locked behind a paywall. Like you can be a policeman and you have to use Robux, uh, which, you know, uh, is real, you know, real money to unlock that role. Other games is like loot boxes and things like that. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, it, a loot box is a sort of like a present that holds 15 potential items with varying degrees of rarity. Uh, so there might be a 1% chance to get the super rare item. Uh, and so people will unlock these loot boxes over and over and over trying to get the super rare item. Uh, and they can, uh, in a, a lot of games, they can spend money to spend Robux, uh, a game which means you know real life money, uh, to purchase coins in the game to buy these loot boxes. So. Uh, that's a, another very common way that people will monetize their games. So, I mean, one of the reasons I'm interested in Roblox is that both I've got 10-year-old and 14-year-old daughters, both of whom sure. either play or have, have spent a lot of time playing mm -hmm. um, uh, games, including Break-In. And cool. um, the, the economy of it's really fascinating. Like, you know, one of them was doing ice skating and really wanted, like, she was playing Brookhaven, I think, or mm -hmm. maybe, no, Royal High, and just wanted these these ice skates and ended up, like, trading for them. Sure. Like, there's, there's such a, there's a whole economy mm -hmm. that happens within it, not just the sort of uh, traditional economy of Robux, but also a kind of a grey economy of trading things. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, d does that happen within within your games, and and how to and and obviously it's got this relationship with Discord mm -hmm. as well. So do you talk about the sort of ecology of it a bit. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, what you're describing is there are so th this is uh, maybe a bit tricky to explain, but there are games within Roblox that sort of are, all, are almost like standalone games. You know, they've th things have grown so big now, like Brookhaven, for example, that it's almost transcended Roblox. Like it's. It's as big as any standalone game that I would have played as a kid that wasn't on any platform. You know, like like you're talking a, about like a Zelda or something. Club Penguin, yeah, uh, sure. if you're familiar with that. You know, yeah. so they've they've gotten so humongous that uh, you can just sort of forget about Roblox as a platform uh, and just like focus on that game in isolation. And then that those games have little ecosystems like you described. So Royal High, which is made by a good friend of mine, so there's that you can like unlock all these extremely rare clothing items, and then you can trade those items, and you can get gems and get. Uh, halos are the really coveted items. Um, and so that is totally within Royal High. There is no, uh, there's no impact on any other game on the platform that's totally within that. And there might be another game called Adopt Me, which is one of the 
I think it's the second most popular of all time, um, made by a good friend of mine as well. And that has a similar thing where the whole game is like very trading based. And so you want the the best pet and you can trade up for different pets. And, and th- yeah, those two games are totally, there's no crossover whatsoever. So it could be either of those, but yeah, ve- it's a very common sort of setup in Roblox. It's, yeah, similar to like, I guess, trading Pokemon cards and things at school, uh, just um, but a virtual version of that, yeah. It's interesting, right? Because unavoidably, when you're describing this, it calls to mind some of what has been conjectured around in terms of the metaverse. And mm. when Mark Zuckerberg changed the name of Facebook to Meta, and when there was all that kind of buzz around it a couple of years ago, until AI came along and mm. ate that portion of the um, the sort of brain space, there was a persistent thread that the metaverse already exists. And it's called Roblox. You know, sure. like that that was a response from people. Do you do you think that that like conception has merit and and you know because if you think about what you're describing it it does have some of those characteristics or is it something that you think about at all? Um, yeah, I I'm not like super familiar with all the like um, discourse about the metaverse and things. I do yeah I do think that Roblox is definitely a much better representation of that than sort of like a lot of things that people have tried to create to sort of fill that that idea of what the metaverse is meant to be. Uh, and if I had to make any comments on it, I would say that people have this, this sort of um, this maybe shared idea of what the metaverse looks like, where it's this sort of VR world where you can, it's like a, a theme park and there's this thing to do over here in this in this grand like castle and there's, you yeah. can like teleport to the pyramids in Egypt or whatever. And, and I think Roblox, the difference is, is that Roblox is like, grounded in just purely what is fun and what people actually want versus like this grand idea of what it should be. So a lot of brands sort of came, tried to jump on the metaverse trend and sort of came into Roblox and um, have, have built these like very fantastical worlds. Like there might be like a Spotify island and it's this like very grand island with like big piano like walkways that play music as you go over it and hydro slides and roller coasters and uh, th- this is, I'm just making things up. But no, that's... no, but that, that is very much the classic kind of conception of yeah. this fantasy world. That yeah, is, is someone's idea of what it should be, and yet mm-hmm. there's often no one there when they build it. It's totally yeah, it's just totally empty compared to, I, I guess like some. some crappy robots game where you have to run away from a rat or something you know like could have a billion plays and then spotify island which has been built by this team of 30 people is has got zero people on it because it's just it's it's created under you know in, in this image of what a metaverse world should look like but it isn't what anyone actually wants so that that's sort of my that that's just like a very naive take because I, I don't really know much about like Zuckerberg's vision for the metaverse or, or anything like that. That's just like sort of how it's sort of appeared in Roblox uh, and how it's like manifested in Roblox is these, these, uh, they look good in a blog post. I think that's probably the purpose of it. And yeah. they do look good. Like there are, they're very impressive visually, these worlds. But for me, Roblox, the core of Roblox has always been about, I'm going to go on uh, another side. <laughs> yeah. So Roblox, I think um, why why I love it and why it's so great is like you can make something on the platform and if it isn't fun, no one's going to play it. Kids, are stri- you know, they're straightforward with their interests. You know, if something is fun, even if it looks like crap, they're going to play it. Go- they'll love it. 
if something has been had you know hundreds or thousands of hours poured into it by a massive team and looks beautiful and in theory should work if it's not fun no one's going to play it there's no way you can force it up like maybe you can in a, in the app store or something by you know shoving it down everyone's throats with advertising kids they 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 are very uh, just upfront with their interests they play what they enjoy uh, you don't need to have uh, YouTubers or, or famous people play your game. You don't need to advertise it. If a game is fun, you can be a nobody. You can be some 13-year-old kid or a 16-year-old kid like I was, and it will shoot up the rankings because the game is fun. And that's what that's what I love about the platform. So to sort of have these very like glamorous games being made with all these big brands backing them, but at their core, they're not fun. Yeah, I think that... It, I, I I think that gives me faith in the platform because yeah I like that it's still at its core it's like what works is is fun uh, yeah no that's that's uh, it's a it's a great thesis you you touched on it there the aesthetics of of Roblox are quite interesting to me and obviously it's a effectively you're composing on someone else's platform so it's dictated by that to an extent but it always sort of surprised me you know we think of gaming as this sort of linear journey into ever more refined kind of graphics and the Unreal Engine unlocking all kinds of potential uh, in, in creatively and visually particularly. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Roblox and it's this kind of crazy Lego-ish, a lot, a lot of the stuff is super 2D so, or, or, mm. or, it's, or it's very blocky. It's aesthetically confronting to people who are expecting something else yeah. from a modern gaming platform. You know, to talk about that and and why the sort of how you code for it kind of um, sure. impacts the the look and feel. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a small story. So I have a friend who works on the Roblox platform, and he was in charge of sort of upgrading the little Roblox character, which is fairly universal across most games. So originally, back when I first started playing, it was this you know little blocky guy with um, limbs that sort of didn't bend at all, so you're very limited by animations and things like that. And it, look, it looked just very sort of, um, what's the word? Just not, it's not very detailed. It looks a bit crappy, you know. <laughs> you can yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he put in all this time and all, his team put in all this time to make this like bendy avatar. And now they've, they've upgraded again so you can play as, you know, a, you know, a wolf or a squirrel or a, like an astronaut or all the, and, and there's all shapes and sizes now. But the t a lot of the top, top games on the platform still use the original rigid crappy avatar still, which is really fascinating. And he is, he's always told me, he said, I'm so annoyed because these games, we asked them, like, why are you using this crappy? We've built you this new avatar and it looks so good. Why are you using the old crappy ones? And they said, oh, we don't know. We just like it. And players love but, it. You know, I mean, they, that's culture, right? Like yeah. it gets, it's not. And then that's on some level why Roblox wins is that it doesn't try and impose yeah. what or presuppose what, what the kids want. The yeah. kids will tell you by what they play. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so so that, that visual thing is not off-putting. In fact, it's actually part of what makes it this kind of secret world that works for people. Absolutely. And, and the games that are my favorites personally on the platform – even though I would consider myself as someone who I, I sort of try to flesh out a world and make it very atmospheric and I, I, I think I have good attention to detail and lighting and, and graphics and things like that, at least more so than some of the real crappy games. But, but my personal favorites are these really, these games that maybe have like a, just they just 
are not they're, they're clearly made by just someone who didn't have much of an artistic vision but they really understood what made their game fun and and all the little details like all the little icons and things which at the end of the day aren't important as long as the player can read them and know what each button does yeah those are those are the best games they they look kind of shoddy but they play beautifully uh, I sort of talked about this a little bit before but yeah that's I think at its core what I love about Roblox is something can look like crap and just be so incredibly fun but I think you know lately so maybe in the past like year or, or two years you've started to see these games come up there's one called Doors which is this horror game and it, it looks like a, a non-Roblox game uh, so it look, a, a really fantastic lighting and uh, attention to detail and materials and everything and and that has sort of as games like that have sort of shown everyone hey we can actually make these really beautiful looking games and still keep the essence of what makes a robots game fun so i think i would like to see more you know like detailed interesting looking games i don't think i don't think necessarily i want to i want robux to be this janky looking uh like low poly low detail washed out lighting platform forever i think that that always exists but i think you're going to start to see some games start to look like unreal engine not to that level but i think um start start to get there a little bit at least and that that's cool are you making the most of your kiwisaver investment generate is an award-winning kiwisaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement book a no obligation chat with a generate kiwisaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash get advice a copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz the issuer of the scheme is generate investment management limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. So let's talk about uh, one of your games, like, like the, the one that sort of, if you're pardon the pun, kind of broke out for you and, and probably changed your life. Th tell me about Break-In, about the vision, and because that really has become kind of a phenomenon that's, that's changed your life, right? Totally, yeah. Um, yeah, so Break-In, I had a friend who, who was working on He's a, a brilliantly creative guy called Samson, and he was sort of he made this new game where it's you and a group of friends go on a camping trip, and it's not at, at the time it was totally unlike anything else on the platform. And he and the, he's like one of these developers who who's like the most evergreen robots developer imaginable. Like he just has an idea and he he understands in his head. I, I think it'll be fun for me and my friends play this camping, go on a camping trip horror game in Roblox. And so he built it and I played it and I thought, wow, this is like, this, this is like sparked some sort of like um, uh, idea in my head as well because uh, it was so much fun and so original. So you sort of just played out through this camping trip story and I thought I would like to do my own one of that, uh, but I don't want to do camping. I want to try to do my own thing. So I, I landed on 
I, I sort of thought, how can I take his model? And there were a few things about his that I thought I would change this or that about it. So yeah, I, I landed on Breakin, which is a story about you're, you're in a house and uh, you're a family. Uh, that's the the lore, I guess, of the game. So you play as different members of the family. Everyone, someone might be the dad with a baseball bat or the mum with a med kit, for example, or the or a kid. And um, the the story is that the purge is happening, the sort of famous movie franchise, although uh, my game, the purge is like not the same as in the movies. It's this group of bad guys with a, a villain called Scary Larry, and he's not very scary at all. So it's it's not it's not really a horror game at all, but to a, a young kid, it might be a little bit freaky. Yeah. Uh, and so oh, you have to protect the house. You board up the windows. You fight off the bad guys. At the end, you beat Scary Larry. Sorry to the listeners who might want to spoiler, but uh, <laughs> no, um, very simple. Uh, I think the family in a house. And having that pressure of like, are the bad guys going to attack us or not? I think that was the uh, the key to the game's success. I think that theme really appealed to people. And yeah, it's, it just really took off, totally changed my life, allowed me to continue making Roblox games full time. Well, what's, uh, what's some data that kind of expresses what taking off means? Yeah, the numbers like seem a, a little meaningless because, uh, so I'll try to think of maybe some of that. So on, on Roblox, it's been played over 2 billion times now. So I think like 2.2 or 2.3 billion times. That's but, number of sessions started by people. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but what's like a more, I can tell you how many individual accounts have played the game. So that might be a, yeah. a sort of more tangible stat. And I think it's at something like, well, the, the people who have made it to the first boss of the game, which means they've played at least three quarters of the game, is some, something in the realm of like, I, th I think it was like 80 million or something people or something. Yeah, like it's it is, it's a, a, an insane number. And every time I look at it, I just think, wow, like that's surreal to me, especially because I don't have any, you know, I don't have any younger cousins or, or nephews or nieces or any sort of just like kids playing Roblox that I can, that, that I know, you know. So it's like I don't get to see this. And, and just to imagine that there are, there's this enormous number of people out there that have or that are playing or have played my game. It's like, it's hard to comprehend that, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that, like that's more than the population of the UK. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. So, and, and then like another maybe more tangible number, the top YouTube videos on the game have have like 25 to 30 million views on them. So that's maybe a number that, is maybe a, a bit easier to understand. Do you want to? Can we talk about the role of YouTube and and the yeah. kind of Roblox ecosystem? I guess because the, the you know as I understand that that it's it's pretty huge. There isn't we were talking about this off air, but there isn't like a a media where people go and review games and print or, or whatever mm. like there is with other cultural forms. Mm -hmm. Like so, a lot of this stuff is litigated on on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah. YouTube is. Uh, it's very, it's huge, obviously, um, and it's very competitive. So, a lot of the YouTubers are sort of always hunting for the next big thing. Some of them now games are getting so big that YouTubers just pick a, a niche. So they might pick one particular game and they can build a career out of just making videos on that one game. Mine is a repetitive story game, so you're not seeing that. But for the YouTubers that sort of play a variety of robots content. They're always just looking for something interesting that would be entertaining for a video and break in just was the perfect game for that. 
the relationship between YouTubers and developers, yeah, it's you sort of benefit. You both uh, benefit from each other. So the YouTubers will are always hunting for to, to be the first to play the next big thing, so they can have the biggest video. Uh, and then you, as a developer, you get like a kickstart from their video because that will get get you like a few thousand players or something in the in the beginning, which can be really valuable and accelerate the game's growth. So how it would normally look, and this is how it was. I haven't released a game and had to uh, like every game I've released recently I've I've sort of had a lot of hype built already so I haven't had to sort of release a game with no advertising for a while or you know like from from the ground level but from what I recall you sort of you make a game you got no one playing it so what you want to first do is just try to get some friends in or try send it to a YouTuber or a TikToker. TikTok's a, a new one that sort of people are experimenting with. People are making TikToks of games. And then if your game is really fun, eventually someone will send that to a YouTuber or, or, or people send it to their friends who send it to their friends who send it to their friends. And then eventually it might land on a small YouTuber's desk. They'll play it. Another person will see that. They'll play it. And suddenly you've got a small trickle of people coming into the game that might be enough to get you on the algorithm, then the algorithm normally carries you up. Um, so the, so the, the, the games are algorithmically served within Roblox? Yeah, yeah. Is there advertising? Like can you pump the algorithm by, by paying to yeah, for placement? You can, yeah, you can do that. But you just don't think that works? Generally. No, I do think it works. I think I haven't had a lot of experience with that. I used to use it a lot, but things have changed a lot since then because the last game I've released sort of had a lot of hype behind it so I didn't have to advertise it. But... I think if you're a new developer trying to get a game off the ground, that seems to be the way to do it, just to advertise on the platform because you just need to get that first. You need to get enough players in the game that the algorithm can pick it up. And yeah. I'm not sure what you'd have to spend to to get there, unfortunately. But uh, once the algorithm picks it up, then you don't have to do anything. Uh, it just carries it the rest of the way. So can we talk a bit about Roblox, the, the corporation? This is a publicly listed, like mm. a $50 billion plus kind of business behind it. Uh, and you can sort of think, like you said, that that YouTube but for gaming is, a, is an interesting way to think about it. Mm. YouTube does, I think it's a 55-45 in the creator's favor rev share on advertising. Yeah. The, the in-game currency, which is the kind of equivalent, uh, I suppose, for Roblox, it's like 25-75 in Roblox's favor. Is that correct? Sort of. So actually a big portion of that goes to app store fees and oh, so the apple tax will take 30 percent uh yeah they take is it 30 or 30. yeah so they take yeah they take quite a bit and then roblox takes a lot the majority chunk for server maintenance they handle all the networking they mm, handle mm. All, all the data storage the and everything like and, that yeah, yeah. Uh, and and obviously the roblox platform which is what you build the games on is free and then we're sort of left with whatever remains which is yeah i think it is roughly like 23% or something, but the number, you know, varies depending on who you ask. But yeah, it's not, it's, it's a lot lower than other, other platforms. But I mean, like Roblox, the community sort of goes through waves of being like, we, we should be like, why can't we get paid a little more? But then Roblox comes back and says, well, we have to pay Apple and Google Play Store and we have to pay for all, you know, we're trying to build the, the platform out for you guys and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I've always... You're at peace with it? <laughs> well, I'm in a weird position, right? Because, and I'm just speaking for myself, but I went from playing the game and being a fan of Roblox. Like I was a, 
you know, Robux was like this this great, awesome company. And and then I, I transitioned into being someone who does it for work. So it's hard to sort of get out of the mindset of like, I'm just so grateful to be here. You know? yeah. And I'm earning great money, you know, like I'm I'm so fortunate to be able to do what I do full time. And and even though I earn not, you know, like 25 cents on the dollar or, or, or whatever it is, um, I still, I guess, am earning... Uh, just because of the volume of players, I'm earning a lot. And I just, I don't know, like I, maybe I'm also not very, you know, like money hungry. I don't have a big studio or any anyone that's relying on me. So it's easy for me to just be like, yeah, I'm just quite pleased to sort of to get a little chunk of, of that. But yeah, I guess like um, if they were to, I, I would love it. I would love to get more money. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I can't say that I'm too bothered by it. In terms of the the sort of evolution of it, it sort of started out, you know, as as a uh, it was not. I mean, a lot of people would have been like you, like hobbyists with aspirations to more, but you know, not having the idea of building a studio or a full kind of business around it. But in much the same way as that, the biggest YouTube channels are starting to resemble production companies. It sounds like Roblox, you know, because of the opportunities and revenue. That, that can be built there, there, it is starting to become kind of professionalized and there are starting to be sort of studios mm-hmm. building out, which, which Roblox is actively encouraging. Yeah. H- how have things changed? Because a lot of this, like you, you referenced before, the pandemic booms, every kid is stuck inside on a screen and Roblox becomes the thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so you have this bomb of interest and uh, usage that probably cha- fundamentally changes what the economic realities of it can be. Yeah, yeah. How, how has it changed since then, for, from your perspective, as someone who's been there from almost the beginning in a way? Yeah, I'd say Roblox has always been a platform for like the solo developer or the the hobbyist developer. So maybe a couple, like two brothers, or or just one like seventeen year old or someone could, you know, create the smash it because they have a deep understanding of the platform and sort of just wing it. And that's always sort of been the way that ro- you know that people have made Roblox games. It's been these just random random kids who have figured it out. Uh, nowadays, you're starting to see big game studios coming from off off platform, or just people who have raised a bunch of capital and are hiring a bunch of people from within the community. And they sort of have started off by not, none of them are like too bad. It's not. I don't want to make them sound terrible. Like they're all just coming in and like trying to milk as much money from the platform as they can. But certainly the easiest, the safest way for them to sort of get a return on their investment is to create games heavily modeled after existing games and ones that tend to be more lucrative. So you're seeing a lot more of those sort of cookie cutter. If a game does well, then other studios will swoop in and sort of just imitate it and maybe stick a brand in there or something like that. And so yeah, you're seeing a lot more of the same, samey sort of games and, and genres of games that are sort of designed to encourage people to spend money or to have yeah um that sort of thing but on the other hand i think because the platform has grown so much there was a stat that i saw the other day and uh, i'm not sure if if it's true or not but i think the daily active users on roblox has almost doubled since the middle of the pandemic to what it is now which i thought was crazy i i didn't know i wasn't aware that had grown so much. What, 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 from what to what? I can't remember what the numbers are, but I think it's up to like 50 or 60 million or some absurd number like that, uh, daily active users now. Yeah, and you're just seeing like su- such a, a high 
like such a, a large quantity of kids that, you know, like me played and then eventually were like, I'll give this a crack and try and make something. And just the sheer volume of that means you're you're seeing a lot of just like new emerging talent and re- still you're, you're seeing these incredibly creative games and and they still are able to shoot up the rankings and and so and become these smash hits and so these new these massive game studios they exist and they're making these games and they're a little bit soulless or whatever and you know they're they're not super original but you're still as long as there's a place for the solo developer or the kid who just wants to figure it out I, i'm happy and and those games still exist even at a higher quality than they they used to be i would say yeah i i guess there's a lot of brand games and things as well but those you know they're there no one they exist but they're not hurting the platform in any way the, yeah. the, this is this is brands paying to get a game developed as, as a f- form of marketing effectively but yeah they're just some of them are really good like there was a hello kitty one and a sonic one that did really well and they were you know not anywhere near the level of some of these really uh creative and original games that some of the you know like a 20 year old developer might put out just because they're super passionate about a certain weird project but um I, I think I would have enjoyed playing them as a kid. Sure. So, like, you are and are going to be making a, a super healthy living out of being a full-time Roblox dev. And, and like, I mean, the whole thesis of this chat is this is this invisible thing that's actually massive mm-hmm. and we should pay attention to. Are, are there other New Zealanders in your boat? And, you know, like, what what is the the sort of future do you think of it as a as both a kind of creative cultural but also a professional employment type category yeah in new zealand there's i live with two other robots developers and we've worked together in the past and they're they're sort of just they're they're earning a full-time living they're chipping away at their projects and then there's one other guy uh, who lives in Nelson, and he's he's doing really well, and he has a company that employs people, and uh, and has like a, a few games now that are sort of ticking along and 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 doing quite well. So I'd say like at the core community that I'm familiar with is is probably yeah us four, and then there's like a few hobbyist guys here and there that I think might chip away at things, but might have jobs on the side. Or just people that do it in a more limited capacity. Well, because you've got to imagine that that, that that sixty million or so, whatever the New Zealand's version of that is, on a population basis, yeah, there are more use coming. You yeah, know, yeah, and sure. that, they'll they'll all be kind of trying to create for the platform and mm-hmm. and dreaming of what you have. Yeah, yeah, in a way. So it, it sort of feels like it will just keep coming in some respects. Yeah, here, here's another big difference from when I first started though. So now you've got these companies and they've they've raised, you know, humongous amounts of money and they've um, they sort of have these big brand deals where they so they have tons and tons of capital and they're hiring up all this emerging talent. Sure, so, right. So now these these guys, these kids who are sort of like figuring out Roblox and finding their footing on the platform rather than sort of like taking a stab at making a game you know, um, which is risky and might and probably will end up failing, but that's what you gotta do to to sort Get of figure it out. Those guys have been soaked up sort of like a sponge into these into these companies. So I do wonder if a lot of the emerging talent which is great though, because they're earning good money and they're mm. 
And it's more stable and stable, you know, yeah. Than, than the, the high risk world that you came up in. Yeah. So, so there's not necessarily like ton, tons and tons. Yeah, it hasn't scaled up one to one because a lot of them are sort of like falling into that. But yeah, I imagine I, I I bet you there are some other like Kiwi developers who are really killing it right now that I, maybe I'm just not aware of. Yeah. How um, did you find the other? Uh, yeah, your flatmates and the dude Nelson and so on. Flatmates, I actually knew for. I started making games, so we all played Roblox together, and I didn't know them in person. They knew each other, but we met online, and we all used to play, and then I and then we all transitioned to making games around the same time, and then we all made a game together, which did really well, called Mall Tycoon. Yeah, and the other guy, the the guy, he lives in um, Nelson. He reached out to me at the time. He hadn't really made anything uh, that that big, so we neither of us had really succeeded uh, at, at the level we have now. Yeah, and so we just used to talk about game design and we'd help each other out with with projects and things. And I still, I was messaging him this morning, we still talk constantly about uh, game design stuff. And yeah, he's a, a very driven guy. I think that he's going to continue to, his company will grow and grow and grow. I think he's very ambitious, yeah. Amazing. Hey, um, thank you so much, Alec. This has been like such a fascinating window into this, this sort of hidden but massive world. And uh, yeah, I've really appreciated you coming up on, on the fold to talk about it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope I've painted a, a picture of what Roblox is like. It's sort of hard, you know, coming, being so familiar with the community and trying to sort of explain that to, so I guess, civilians kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't know if I've done a great job, but I hope, you know, you guys have sort of understood what's going on in Roblox a little bit. Yeah, no, you definitely, you definitely have. Anyway, thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, cheers. Kia ora e te iwi. Te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.